Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports. I'm Jason Springer here with Jeff Cohen, back with you on 610 AM ESPN Radio, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. If you want to join in the conversation, you can join us at 888-728-9941. Jeff, this may be the dog days of summer, but the sports world is just on fire. There is so much going on right now. Really? You're not watching? I haven't seen a thing. The British Open. The British Open, the the Phillies, lots of training camp news. For a summertime, when you think we have to fill time, turns out there is so much going on, we don't have enough time in the show to talk about it. I don't know if there's really a better time to talk sports on the radio with everything that's going on in the the sports world. And I know that the the summertime is normally the, the most challenging time, but not with the news that we've had going on this week. So let's preview the show a little bit. In the first segment, we're going to talk a little bit of the Phillies and, and recap the British Open. Second segment, we're very excited to have our guest, Adam Schefter, ESPN NFL Insider, on with us. And then the third segment, we'll talk about Jeff's favorite topic, LeVar Ball, among other oh, things. God. That's your boy right there, right? Yeah, he had another great day for uh, parents and sports. An- another good example for, for what you like to teach your kids? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll make sure to get to that in a little bit. Let's start with the Phillies. When we last left our listeners, Jeff... We were hoping for a winning streak of three games in a row. Did we reach that? We did. We did. And then what happened after? Uh, it didn't get much better. Good. No, nothing good. Yeah. Now, well, we, no, the last couple games have been pretty good. So it, the Philly, look, nobody really expects anything from the Phillies this season at this point. Their record is what it is. But I would say that there have been more interesting spots in the in baseball with the team playing this past week. Your your thoughts with that? Nick Williams up here. Aaron Nolage is dominant. I mean, it, it, a little bit better, right? Aaron Nola is such a pleasure to watch. He is so confident and so cool when he's pitching. Reminds me of Cole Hamels. Just the demeanor. Nothing seems to get under his skin. He just comes and does his job. Yeah, the problem with comparing him to Cole Hamels is Cole Hamels would pitch really well and then get a, a no decision. So we got to hope that Aaron Nola does not come become the next Cole Hamels from that standpoint. But I'll tell you, there are certain pitchers, just like certain hitters, that you want to make sure you're in your seat, you're at your couch when they're on, when they're on the mound or they're at bat. And Aaron Nola has turned into one of those guys. I mean, what he did against the Houston Astros are the best hitting team in the major leagues. He shut them down and struck out 10. In his last 7 starts, he's got a 1.49 ERA. He's got he's averaging 11 strikeouts per 9 innings. His opponent's batting average is 189. And, and nobody could have seen this coming. When, when Aaron, Aaron, I know he was a first-round pick. Nobody expected Aaron Nola to be a front-line starter who could strike out 10 or more in a game. He is the only pitcher in the Astros' last 58 games to hold them scoreless over at least six innings. It, it's, I, it's, it's not like story. he did this against you know just a, a minor league team. I mean, mm-hmm. this is one of the best teams in baseball right now playing that way with a pretty dominant lineup despite the injury to Correa recently it took him out and Nola went and just dominated yeah it's exciting to see as a fan you're hoping you don't want to get over excited with expectations but you we talk about it regularly you need that number one or number two starter now we just got to get guys behind him well that's and I think pa- that some patience, of them are there patience Mr. Cohen yeah. patience I you do think some of them are there you think they're in the minors I, well, I still th- I don't know what's wrong with Eikhoff this year, uh, but I mean, it went, from what you saw last year, didn't you think that he was going to be one of those guys that could be a middle rotation and just eat innings and, and do really well? My whole life as a Philadelphia sports fan is thinking that people are going to be one thing and then watching them play and not be it. 
So, but but you <laughs> watched him last year. He pitched really well. So what happened this year? I don't know. I don't. I, it's weird. Because I blame you be, <laughs> for no apparent reason. <laughs> it's You're better just th- blaming. Like I've got yeah. no other thing to go with, right. so I want to just go with that. So, uh, but they, but they have guys, and and they have guys. If you really want to be patient, and I got air quotes around it, you got guys in the lower minor leagues that that everybody is starting to buzz about, but. There yeah, are, your boy Sixto down there is getting some good yeah, talk about, that's right. about 100 mile an hour. Nice, easy motion throwing 100 miles an hour. Yeah, if, if you could do anything easy at 100 miles an hour, that's it. Yeah. So it wasn't all good news this week, though. Um, well, what is going on with the Golden Herrera? Well, let's. Well, can we talk about the, the two guys next to him first? Because, sure. Because you got Nick Williams and you got Aaron Althair, who came back earlier than expected. Remember last week? He was only we out talked, for a couple days. Right, and we thought that this was going to be a long time. He came back and had a great game. And those two in the lineup are very exciting together, and those two in the outfield cover a lot of groom. It makes your outfield much better having Williams out there with Herrera and with Altair than yeah. some of the other options that they've run out earlier this season. You actually saw some stats on how good the outfield has been, been playing. The, 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 first of all, the outfield already has not – now, it's not much to compare it to from last year, but the, but the outfield already has as many home runs this year in 99 games as they had in 162 games last year. So which do we so, feel better about, the fact that we're there, <laughs> or do we feel worse about what happened last season? No, I, th- I think I think this is this is the progression. This is what you would expect. You, Nick Williams only came up a month ago. He so, really has, in your opinion, has he exceeded people's expectations? Yeah, the, that, there was a lot yeah. of a lot that people thought of him in terms of one of the names down on the farm that would come up and make a difference. I didn't think that he would be this impactful this soon. I didn't think I think it was, I thought it was going to take him some time to develop once he got to the major leagues. The fact that he is just from the get go hit as well as he has hit run as well as he can run and the attitude that he's shown. He looks very comfortable out there. He does yeah. not look like a rookie playing in his first major league game. And every he said all the right things. He's almost like a hockey player in an interview. He's saying all the right things. But you kind of start to believe it. And, and after last year. Where I mean, most people don't hear much about the minor league players until they get here. He was already getting a bad rap of not hustling things out, and it's it's clear since he's gotten here that he has hustled everything out. And and the Phillies are making a point of pointing that out to everyone. Well, they need to because the bad rap on the lack of hustle comes out of center field right oh. now with the Golden Herrera, who continues. Look, I can excuse it's a, a lot broken of things. Record at I this can point. excuse a lot of things. Lack of effort is not one of them. Not running out the the, the ball um, with the bat flips when it's a fly out to the point where the Astros are literally mocking him from the opposition dugout. I don't think I, I don't think I have ever seen that before. The other team is making fun of a player because he bat flipped a pop up again. I mean, it, it it is unbelievable to me that he keeps doing this and that he's now lost the respect of other teams. Yeah, you know, there's pitchers always get oversensitive about the bat flips, but if you watch O'Double, he bat flips a single, he'll bat flip a pop up. I'm waiting for him to bat flip a strikeout. He'll bat flip anything. But but he could hit a ball in the gap, which you should be running out of the gate, and he bat flips and he starts trotting until he sees the ball hit the ground, and then he turns on the Jets. And he's too fast and too talented to be going through this repeatedly. You know, for Pete McKinnon, who they keep calling patient Pete, to have to keep saying to him, 
over and over again. Him having to keep going on and and being interviewed and and, and post game press conferences say, uh, I have to point keep pointed in the right direction. <laughs> he's twenty six years old. He's, you mean to tell me that McCann is not supposed to be a babysitter? He's supposed to be no, a coach. No, th- these are professional athletes, and yes, that's what a coach does. Is he wants to guide them in the right direction, but. You know, it used to be with Odubel, well, he he didn't play in the upper minors. He came straight to the pros. That That's a development issue. I get that. But when you're 26 years old, you're an adult. You're a man. And at that point, you do not need your coach treating you, and he deserves to be treated as like a teenager. If you'd like to join in the conversation and talk Phillies or anything else with us, number is 888-728-9941. Jeff, uh, one of the bright spots this season was Pat Neshek, and I say was because he is no longer on the Phillies roster. Yep, he's out. Now, I will let you analyze how good the picks were that we got back, but I I will preface it by this. He was a 36-year-old free agent that was signed to flip at the deadline. There was not an intention that he he was traded for, wasn't he? Yes, yeah. but their intention— So can somebody please explain to me why Houston traded him? I have no idea. They could use him back right Mm -hmm. now. Meanwhile— the intent was to get something for him. I don't know that at the start of the season you could have thought that you would get three prospects at whatever level they are for Pat Neshek. I just don't think that people thought that that would happen. I didn't. I thought they would get like one middle reliever, you know, low round prospect. So what did we get? We basically got three lottery tickets. We got three. We got two pitchers and you got a hitter who's a shortstop. They're both low minor league players, and you don't know what you're going to get with those people. But the fact that they got Three, um, I wish they would have gotten somebody on the higher end of their prospect list. But you usually don't have higher end prospects at the lower minor leagues. There are people that develop over time. So, as you said, they are. They're lottery picks. You, you, ha- you have two guys that can pitch, and you hope one of them works out to be a m- middle reliever or back into the rotation guy. None of these guys are ballyhooed people. You and know. we're not going to know for a few years. Yeah. And, 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 when Patience. Pe- uh, well, yeah, but remember, that's that's what we got with Lively. That's what we got with Eflin. That's what happens is you make these trades and you have to stock up enough that you hope that four or five of those arms come up. So if the Sixers' magic word is process, the Phillies' magic word is patience, we're going to have to come up with words for some of the other sports. <laughs> what does it mean, though? You, you mentioned we could see the promotion of Jesse Tarrant. What does that mean uh, for the team in terms of what he's done in the minors? He, he's had a great year. Between AA and AAA, he has a 1.41 ERA in 57 innings. He has a 30.1% strikeout rate, and he has a 4.2% walk rate. But he's not a closer, right? He's an arm in the bullpen, no, a setup no, guy? No, I think he can be a closer. So I, th- I mean, you, you always have to see whether or not the guy has the mentality when they get up here. But he he has been the eighth inning guy for a lot and closed some games because they have a guy named Bieto down there who's been closing a lot of the games and gets the saves. But I think Thierry could be a closer. So, I mean, I don't think he's going to be that this year, but you never know. They might say, you know what, we we know Hector's not the closer, so maybe we'll give him a chance. It's I mean, there's no And they don't want to try out your boy Vinny yet. They're still going to try and trot him they're, out in the they're, roster. They're, I thought that the injury when he t- when he took the time on the DL that that was going to be the excuse to it was do the it. Perfect opportunity to yeah. do it. But they but they are going to give him the benefit if that's what they want to do till the end of the year. But I still think that at some point we're going to see him be 
an attempt, and, and that there'll be an attempt at him being the closer. Does the attempt to make him a starter show a lack of arms with the power that he has in the system? Is that just trying to fight something to say that you have an arm like Vinny in the lineup? I don't think so. I mean, I, 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 with with him, he wanted to be a starter. He was a starter. It's a, they they put him in the in the bullpen for a while, but he's he's always been a starter. So I just think that he doesn't have the pitches, to, and I don't think that he has the out pitch to keep going through the lineup. And, and we've gone through the statistics before with that. Is that when he gets to the second and ter- third time through the lineup? He starts to get beaten up. Do you feel better as a Phillies fan now than you did earlier in the season? I'm yeah. not talking about the record or anything like that. About the way that this team's playing, what you're seeing overall. Do you feel a little better? Yeah, because I think there's direction now. I think that was you... the bar set so low that just stepping over it would have made you feel better. Or... No, 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 because I, I was the one at the beginning of the season. Who I mean, I'm short, so over... I can't step over a high bar anyway. But <laughs> I'm glad you said it, not me. I, I mean, I'm serious. I, I'm, I'll be honest though; like, there were no expectations at this point for the team, so the bar is basically on the ground. Yeah, but my expectation was is I did think they were going to be a 500 team. They aren't. They're, yeah, you they're, were you were wrong. I was way wrong. <laughs> no yeah, offense. That's right. <laughs> you were very wrong. You <laughs> but, were what we would call optimistic. Yeah, or delusional. Some or people have called rose, me rosy yes. Phillies colored glasses. Right, but 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 you now have direction. You have potentially your first baseman of the future is either going to be Joseph or Hoskins. At second, you have Caesar or Kingery. At short, you have Freddie or Crawford. Crawford. At third, you have Franco or who knows. Uh, at catcher, you have Rupp as a backup. You'll have Knapp as a backup, and you cross your fingers that Alfaro is going to be as good as as, as everybody, everybody thinks he will be. In the outfield, you have really good corner outfielders right now, or you can move off there to center field if you want, if Cousins pans out next year. So, and and you still need a couple more starters, but I feel I feel a lot better seeing Nolan pitch. If Nola had come back from his little bout of injury at the beginning of the year with um, a mediocre four and a half ERA kind of season, I would be really worried, but. The fact that Nola has developed the way that he has and the change that they made to his pitching motion that is a lot in his legs that's given him more on his fastball. I mean, when he when he was drafted, it was, oh, he's going to throw 89, 90 miles an hour. He's up to 94, 95. Yeah, exactly. So he's he's in that Cole Hamels area, and all of his pitches are working now. You going to any minor league games this week? Uh, this week, I am not. For our listeners that don't know, Jeff travels around to different minor league ballparks. You you went to the Nashville ballpark. I, 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 we did sneak in for a quick look at the the Nashville Sounds, who have a, a scoreboard in the shape of a guitar. See, like that's yeah. the kind of stuff that I find interesting. Yeah. I just think that that's kind of cool with the stadium and playing off the aesthetics. It's like the Liberty Bell at the at Citizens Bank Park that rings. It yeah. just well, plays there, off the city. There, a there's bit. there's two things in the minor leagues you go for. One is the character of the stadium, and the other is the ridiculous amount of high calorie food that each stadium tries to top the other one. So I try to watch the first and stay away from the second. Well, I will try to tame your optimism in a few in the coming weeks with all the as ifs that we have for the team. Right now, why don't we head to a break, and when we come back, we'll be joined by ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter to talk everything from CTE to the Eagles to the latest news in the NFL. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 
or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Let me tell you, buying or selling a home is a life-changing decision. Whether you're looking for your first home or searching for your forever home, Ann Coons is the realtor you need. In fact, she helped my wife and I settle into our forever home. With over 30 years helping satisfied clients buy and sell homes in the Delaware Valley, Ann Coons will give you the professional and reliable service you deserve. When it's time to buy or sell a home in South Jersey or Philadelphia, contact Ann Coons, the only name you need to know in real estate. You can call Ann Coons today at 856-795-4709. Again, that's 856-795-4709. Or learn more on the web at www.annkoonsrealestate.com. We're excited to be joined by ESPN insider Adam Schefter. Adam, thanks for joining us. Hello there, guys. How you doing? We're doing great. Thanks so much for coming on. This has got to be like the start of school for, for people. Exciting time of year for you, right? Or you're, they're miserable at the start of school, but exciting time of year for you as the teams go back to training camp, right? Uh, it's, it's always interesting. It's always exciting. You know that football's near. There's 32 different teams going to 32 different camps, 90 players a roster. You do the math. It's a lot of storylines, a lot of things happening, a lot of people paying attention in this day and age. And so, yeah, it creates a little bit of activity, which is great. We, we love that at this time of the year. Well, we are following along on Twitter with you for the latest breaking news that's going on in the NFL. Wanted to start with a little bit of Eagles as they opened camp this week. What are your thoughts coming in off the offseason that they had uh, coming into training camp? What do, you, what do you see as things get started here for the Birds? I'm optimistic for Philadelphia. Look, if you look at it, they get Lane Johnson back for a full year. They add wide receiver help, which they didn't have last year necessarily the way that they do this year. They have another year with Carson Wentz going through camp as the starter. So there are a lot of factors, to me, that work in Philadelphia's advantage. Now, again, there's so much that happens during the course of a season, so much that's dependent upon confidence and health and momentum, all those factors together. But it doesn't change the fact that this is a team, I think, that is good enough to win the NFC East. Doesn't mean it does but it's good enough to win the NFC East. Well, let's start with the offense, and there's obviously a lot of excitement around the receivers that they brought in, uh, LeGarrette Blunt in the backfield. But let's start with the quarterback. It's year two for him. It looks like he's showing a little bit of leadership, took the receivers out to North Dakota, a little culture shock for some of them, it seemed like. But he's showing the leadership that you seem to want. What do you expect from our quarterback heading into his second year in the league? There are a lot of people who believe that players take their biggest jumps from the first to second year. And if that holds up, and that's true with Carson Wentz, then he should be that much more improved this upcoming season uh, for the Eagles, which would benefit Philadelphia tremendously. Look, they believe that they have their quarterback for the future. They believe they got a quarterback here for the next dozen years. They were aggressive in going to get him. They know how important that is. We all know how important that position is. It's the most important position in sports to me because if you've got that position solidified, you've got a chance every year. And if you don't, you don't. It's that simple. But in this particular case, I think that they are really confident that he's going to be the guy. I'm not going to tell you guys here anything that you, you don't know about him, that you haven't heard the organization say. Uh, it's a situation where they believe they got the guy they need and want. And you've seen signs of maturation. We know that players take jumps from year one to year two. So, again, it's just one of those positive signs that we're talking about 
that works to this team's favor. When you talk about a quarterback, he's only usually as good as the offensive line and the wide receivers that he has. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the wide receiver core that we have now um, and whether it's going to be enough for him to take that jump? It's enough. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey is a very good wide receiver. Torrey Smith had a better offseason than people realize and is going to bounce back in a bigger way than people expect. Jordan Matthews is still there. I know he's got the lingering knee injury, but I'm a Jordan Matthews fan. So right there, we've got three guys. That doesn't include anyone else. So to me, and and they've got tight ends who can catch and play. So there are not a lack of targets. Running backs that catch the ball out of the backfield, Sproles, Pumphrey, um, even Smallwood. So to me, it, it's all there for him. And, and it's just time for him to take the next step in the evolution of his career. It seems like they're trying to work Pumphrey in at a, a wideout position and kind of have him sort of an X back back there with uh, with what you have in terms of Sproles in the backfield. How do you think that'll work out in terms of working him into the offense? He obviously had a claim coming out of college with, with his rushing yards. There were questions about his size. But it seems like the kind of weapon that Doug likes in this offense. Yeah, listen, I mean, this is a guy that was very exciting, and the reason he dropped in the draft is because of his size, but I, I come back to the fact that, you know, as a short guy myself, uh, <laughs> Welcome to you, my you life. can make plays or you can't make plays, and this guy can make plays and has made plays, and he's going to get the opportunity to make a lot more plays. So, you know, at one point they said the same things about Darren Sproles. Now, I'm not going to tell you that this guy's going to be Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles has been a great pro for a long period of time, and there's a lot for this guy to have to do to get to that level, but... It, it just goes to show short guys can make plays, man. They can make plays, and, and I think they've got a lot of high hopes for Danelle Pumphrey here. I'm glad to hear that because Jeff Cohen have an, and I have had an ongoing debate about height since they drafted Pumphrey when we were doing the show live on the air that Saturday. Well, they're not going <laughs> to lean on this guy for 20 carries a game. Exactly. He's going to be he's going to be a weapon, and you can hide him behind some of your big offensive linemen, put him out in space, and let him make some moves. You find the right role in the right spot at the right time for him, like anybody else. That's right. Adam, there is, there is one running back who who still, I believe, is on the roster, but we haven't heard anything about him in Ryan Matthews. Have you heard anything about whether he's going to be healthy enough to play and whether or not he's going to stick around? I, I, I would not expect to see him in Philadelphia. I think it's just a question of him getting healthy, and once he's healthy, uh, I would think that they move on from him. I think that's the final hang-up here. Uh, still some health questions, and once those clear up, then they can physically let him go, but he's not there right now. There were a, a, The Eagles already made a couple of moves. We we saw news this week that um, they were going to first cut Allen Barbary, then they traded him to Denver for a conditional seventh, and then they released Marcus Smith. Any surprise there from either of them? For me, the surprise was that Seattle signed Marcus Smith so fast, apparently. Any Anything surprise you with those two moves? No, I actually thought there might be a team that would claim Marcus Smith on waivers, but he had uh, a $550,000 roster bonus that would have been due today for any team that claimed him. So what that was was Philadelphia looking to see if another team would trade for him. They would trade for the contract, so no team was willing to do that. So the Eagles released him. They didn't want to pay that bonus. He goes through waivers. Nobody picks him up. But Seattle had been talking to him, as had other teams. So once he was free and had gone unclaimed, where other teams denied the chance to pay that bonus, then he had the chance to pick his team. And he picked Seattle, which has brought in Marcus Smith now, Deion Jordan. It's brought in a few other players. So that, that's what that's about, him getting to go where he wants. And I was not surprised it was Seattle, and I was not surprised it was that quick because 
camps are getting underway. Teams want to work with him. They know he's got some ability. It didn't show in Philadelphia, but they want to see if they can get it out of him. What, what makes you think that he's going to be able to stick and fill in uh, Seattle? I, I didn't say he would. I, we don't know. <laughs> right? like the, but I'll say this, that if I were a pass rusher and I had not played to my potential and I were looking for a new home, I would want to go to Seattle to see if they could get it out of me. Absolutely. If there's a, and I, I did read something that it's his old coach is there in Seattle so that there's the hope that they'll get a little bit more out of him. I just wonder, I talked about this last week with, with Jeff, whether he suffered from expectations of where he was drafted and whether a fresh start in a new place without that contract gives him the opportunity to just go out there and, and play without the burden of, of the draft pick. So I'm just not sure how that'll shake out. It seems like another Eagle has asked out but hasn't been given out yet, Michael Kendricks. Is he going to be uh, on the roster when the season you know, starts? I, I, don't, I don't know why this is a headline today all of a sudden. Right? I, I don't know how this happened. Like, th- this has been going on for years now where teams have inquired, Philadelphia has listened, there's been trade speculation surrounding Michael Kendricks. When the trade deadline comes every year, we hear about Michael Kendricks. When the draft comes every year, we hear about Michael Kendricks. He's been involved in more trade speculation than any player I can recall over the last few years. And all of a sudden, it's a headline today that he wants to, to go play or wants to be, that asks for a trade. Like, I don't get it at all. What, what, what am I missing? What's the value that he has if they did want to trade him? What, is he uh, able to be, you know, do you think that they could get a, def- a defensive back, a veteran, somebody to shore up the backfield? Is, is there a draft pick if they wanted to do it? Or are they just not interested? They're going to keep him as a backup in that role where he just doesn't seem satisfied. Mi- minimal compensation, minimal. Um, and so, uh, you know, again, and, and whatever it is, it's never been enough for them to do it. So, that shows you right there that they have not been able to recoup as much as they would like to make it happen. Because if, if they were, they would have traded him at some point. But he's got value with the contract he's under. He wants to be traded because he'd like a new deal, I'm sure. Some place that would pay him more. The Eagles have him on a cap-friendly deal. And, and, again, there's been more speculation surrounding him than anybody else that I can remember. And yet somehow it became a headline today. I don't really understand that. Um, just an, another question, real fast. With the with the changes that the Eagles have had in the, the front office in recent years, you know, Howie in and out, Chip Kelly experiment, now Doug. What's the perception of the organization around the league at this current time? I, I think it's a perception that it, it's a good organization, got some good talent. Uh, they've had some turmoil, like you mentioned. Um, you know, they're well positioned. They, they've done a great job. They're very aggressive, very aggressive. You know, I love that. Now, I love teams that make moves, trades, active in free agency, turning over every rock, looking for every – I mean, that to me is fun, right? That's what, that's what you want. And, and to me, that's the type of organization that they are. Well, the, that's the organization. The question then is, is Doug Peterson the right guy to play with these pieces? Well, I guess we're going to find out, right? Like, he was there one year. He handles himself well. He, I think, is a leader of men. The city knows him well. But the fact of the matter is in this league, you produce, you win games, or you don't last very long, right? And that's not a secret with anybody. So that's going to be up to him to step forward and produce, and we'll see how that goes. Do you, do you think there's going to be some added pressure on coaches this year now that John Gruden has decided to tell no. everyone that he's getting, he's preparing to come back to the league? doesn't change anything. I mean, I think people always know that there are coaching candidates, big-name coaching candidates out there that may or may not come back. The young upcoming assistant coaches, coordinators, same kind of thing. It, every year, like 
coaches know you win, you're fine. You don't, you're out. And even if you do win sometimes, as we saw with the GMs in Carolina and in Kansas City, you could be out anyway. So, you know, this is a league that the pressure is intense. It's nonstop. It never lets up. And I think coaches know, front offices know, the importance uh, to their job security of winning. I'm excited for what the defensive line can do on this team, but I'm concerned about the defensive backs still. How concerned should I be? Will they play better because the defensive line should be better this year, or am I going to have to go all Well, that, that's, that's the hope because, no, there are questions in the secondary. I mean, there is a question mark about depth. They could use some more people there. They, they drafted Sidney Jones, who you know you would think would be able to step in and help. And the upside to that, the reward to that, is that they're going to get a guy that was projected as a top cornerback in this draft, maybe the top cornerback, but wasn't healthy. So now they have to wait on him. That's the downside. But that's why you got him in round two. That's why you get Derek Barnett in round one. That's why you're hoping that Derek Barnett and Fletcher Cox and the rest of these pass rushers can carry you forward and and mask some of the question marks that you have in the secondary if if you ask me would i rather have great pass rush or great cover corners defensive backs i'd rather have a great pass rush i'll make do with average defensive backs as long as the pass rush is first rate and i I think philadelphia is banking on having a very strong pass rush do you see tim jernigan having a big impact some some look uh, you know benny logan is a guy that i think was underrated. I totally agree. And a guy that they're going to miss. So it'll be up to Tim Jernigan to step forward. Look, you know, Baltimore was willing to just give him away, basically. So that I think that raises a question to anybody. And it's up to him to go out and prove he, he he's a He's a solid player. But I think Benny Logan's going to be missed. Moving on a little bit from the Eagles to some of the news of the week in the NFL. Uh, obviously, the study came out this week regarding CTE. Uh, I grabbing headline because uh, it was 110 out of 111 people whose brains were donated that they believed that they had some type of issue for the study uh, came back that they did in fact have CTE. What's the reaction been from the NFL? Obviously, they've been trying to take on this issue for the past few years now. How do they view when studies like this are released? Well, I'm sure they don't like it. You know, publicly they'll come out and say. We welcome any and all suggestions and improvements to this game. Science and research are good things. They want to figure out better ways, and and, and I think that's true. But I also think it's another blow uh, to the league and the growth of it. And anytime anything comes out like this, there's no way the league can be particularly pleased about it because you know that that's an existential threat that's real, and we have an issue here where. Basically, that is the biggest threat to the growth of the game, to the future of the game, and it's an inherently violent sport. You're taking a risk if you play it. I, I, I think everybody knows that. But the numbers, of course, were eye-grabbing this week in the journal that came out. And so it's just another reminder of the risk that everyone takes. But look, nobody's under any obligation. You don't want to play? Don't play. You know, My son plays football. My wife and I have a rule you're allowed to play. One concussion and you're done. You're not playing anymore. If he gets a concussion this year in his senior year of high school, he's not allowed to play anymore. That's how we do it. Everybody gets to make their own choice, their life, their body, their brain. Well, right? You've seen some of the players react differently. You you know, you had 
Zach Ertz sort of say he tries not to read it and didn't watch the concussion movie. He knows that there's a risk. Malcolm Jenkins saying, I probably already have it. And then uh, Ravens' John Urschel, who's at MIT for mathematics, retired abruptly. So is this going to be an issue? You see, you've seen it in the past few years where um, individual players have made the decision to walk away. Is this something that concerns the NFL, that additional players, as this information come out, will second-guess their idea of putting themselves on the line for the shield? Again, I I think it has to be a concern to the NFL. I mean, the the numbers are what the numbers are. John Urschel is the 14th player to retire at the age of 30 or younger this offseason. 20 players retired at 30 or younger during the 2016 offseason. That's 30 players the last two years. Would you call that a trend? So the players you're talking about, these are all players that stated the reason that they retired was because of the CTE concerns? Look, again, we've seen a lot of young players walk away, right? Like, I can't speak for all of them, but we don't know that CTE drove 30 young players out of the game. But just guessing to think that it was it entered into the decision of any of them would be, I would guess, that's probably accurate. So, just a guess. I don't know that. But there are a lot of players that have retired at a young age. Now, you know, part of it also could be that you know, there's more money than ever before. Players made more money. They could afford to leave the game if they don't love it earlier than they did in the past. Maybe some of them are financially secure. But typically, you know, players have to be kicked out of the game. They don't walk away from the game. So, so what, what can the NFL do or what is it doing to, to deal with this issue, not only from a science perspective but also a public relations perspective? Because I also saw that Congress had sent a letter earlier this week to the NFL demanding, I think, $18 million that they were owed under the study to the NIH. And now it's come out that it looks like they're just going to go their separate ways. You know, listen, uh, I think the league uh, invested, I think it was $100 million last year into research. It's doing another $100 million this year for research. Uh, Again, I'm not smart enough to answer some of these science questions, to be honest with you. I'm educating myself and trying to read what I can on the subject. So you know, that that's probably best off to have some of the people that, that work on these studies and journals answer those questions about what the league can and can't do. Um, I, I just know that being around the sport, 10 years ago, if somebody had a concussion, I think people would laugh it off and say, oh, he got his head dinged. Nobody laughs about any sort of brain trauma and brain injuries in the day and age we live in, and you've begun to see a shift in culture. They're never going to be able to make the f- sport fully safe, just impossible to do. do, do but you, I think – Do you see any difference? Your son, You said your son plays in high school now. Do you see any difference in the way that they're teaching how to tackle at the lower levels? He plays offensive tackle, so I, I, I haven't really studied that, to be honest with okay. you. But my understanding is, yes, you know, in talking to people about that um, – there have been people who I think believe that techniques being taught are improved, uh, that they're targeting different areas. And, you know, again, I, I'm sure that helps. Is it ever going to solve everything? No. No, that's unrealistic. I'm going to move back to some things on and off the field a little bit. What is going on? Uh, Philadelphia fans are always interested in the Dallas Cowboys for whatever reasons they choose, what is going on with Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys right now? Well, we're waiting for an answer. Um, And I would think that 
at some point, there is going to be some form of discipline handed down, whether that's a fine, whether that's a short suspension. I, I really don't know. Everybody's waiting. I know it's Friday afternoon. I know the league has not yet made a ruling. And until it does, everybody's going to continue waiting. Now, next week is the Hall of Fame week. It's going to be Jerry Jones's crowning week. Goes into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It, it would surprise me if the league announced a suspension in the middle of next week while Jerry's going through all these press conferences. But, again, I've been surprised by four, before. So you just don't know how these things operate. I would tell you that I think discipline is definitely on the table. We'll see what the league decides to do, and there's no decision today. Factoring that in, what are your thoughts on how the NFC East looks this year in terms of how the other teams? It, is, it has always been it has always been one of the most competitive and unpredictable divisions in football. You know, I, I think the last time we had a repeat winner was what 2004. If I'm not mistaken, and so every year it seems like there's a different team that wins it. Dallas won it last year. Um, Philadelphia's had success. Washington's had success. The Giants have had success. I can make an argument for every one of those teams winning the division this year. Every one of them. I think they're all good enough. And it comes back to what I said to you before about the confidence, health, and momentum. How those factors just start going in your direction. Teams start believing. You know, Dallas has had some off the field questions and issues. Is Zeke going to get suspended? We are waiting for the league's decision. So to me, it's the kind of thing where that division could go any which way. So down the road from us, we have the Baltimore Ravens. And John Harbaugh said a couple days ago that he was considering bringing Colin Kaepernick in. But then all of a sudden, they signed an Arena League quarterback. Why has it been so difficult for Colin Kaepernick to even get a chance in a training camp to make a roster? Well, there have been some discussions. I think there have been some teams that have been interested in bringing him in. I think some owners have blocked that or stepped in front or voiced their opinion that they were not in favor of it. So I think that's been part of it. I think that everybody looks at it. Everybody's looking at it in a different kind of way, like what's going on here. It continues to be a question. Uh, The Ravens went out and signed a quarterback, and that is just a camp arm. You know, They've been talking to Colin Kaepernick. They say it's still possible that they'll make a move with Colin Kaepernick, but – they want to see how Joe Flacco's back is doing. They want to continue to stay in touch with him. And, and if there are any questions, I think they could bring him in, and we'll see how that works out. But to me, Colin Kaepernick being unsigned, it's not a great look for the league, and I would think that he gets a chance at some point this summer. Hasn't happened yet, but he's a good enough quarterback to be in this league, in so, my mind. So before I move on to let you and Jeff talk a little Michigan, because he's very excited just to have another <laughs> another guy here to talk about that, uh, I enjoy your Know Them From Adam podcast. I actually listen to Thank it on you. 610 here on the weekends. Um, how do you get some of those in-depth stories? It really seems like it gives you the opportunity to, to dive in. Can you tell the listeners where that came about from? Well, I think it's fun. You know, So much of what I do is just information, quick notes, trades, hirings, firings, contracts, transactional activity. So to me, it's a a chance to just sit down and talk to somebody a little bit more and hear some more personal items and lengthier lengthier answers. And so um, that was the idea behind the podcast. And I used to do a column out in Denver called Know Them From Adam. And basically, I liked doing that, getting to know some people. And so we just picked it up here at ESPN and uh, started doing it in January. So it's six, seven months old. And you know, it's, it's uh, some extra time and work, which I love, and we love to get great guests. Uh, it can be fun, and you know, if you, the best kind of podcast would be something where you get some information that's new, 
and you learn something about that person and you get a feel for that person that you didn't necessarily have before you listened to it. Well, for the listener, I mean, I, I think that you get that. I, I, it's something that I enjoy uh, hearing the different guests that you have on and hearing the personal stories that, that you don't often hear them tell. So uh, I appreciate that, and I'll keep listening Thank to you. that. Now I'll let Jeff go on to, to Michigan. You go ahead, Thank Jeff. Thank you. Well, <laughs> more uh, important well, stuff, yeah. yeah more important right. stuff. There you go. Yeah, in, well, in, in Philadelphia area, Penn State country, Temple, Rutgers. Yeah, we'll talk from Michigan. Go it, ahead, it's, o- it's okay, Adam. <laughs> you can give out a go blue right here. Um, <laughs> how do you think Jim Harbaugh has adjusted back to the college game? And you think he's going to stay for a while? Or you think he's going to get that itch to come back to the NFL? You know, listen, I, I think he's been great for the program, done a phenomenal job, restored the program to where it was. You know, you know that Michigan's going to be a power every year, which was not the case while he was gone. I think there are questions in the NFL. People say it all the time, I'm not sure how long he'll stay. I, you know, again, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I, I hope he stays in Michigan a long time. But probably as long as he does, there's always going to be questions that follow him. He's been rather adamant that he's not leaving. Uh, we'll take him at his word. And the longer he stays there, the better it'll be for the school and the program there. Done a great job. Hope it continues for another 25 years and certainly would make my offseason a little bit quieter if I, we didn't have to deal with chasing Jim Harbaugh into the NFL. Well, he's, he's definitely been good for the branding of khakis. And I did enjoy that when he was traveling for a recruiting trip uh, recently, I saw him say that he just brings a toothbrush and a good attitude. So, that's then, great. There, that's, there's that's, your that's, pitch that's, right there. That's sound travel and packing advice. <laughs> do, do you think that uh, this year has been a good year for Michigan as far as uh, the number of players that made it to the NFL and the draft? Do you, do you think that Jim Harbaugh, as a coach, uh, gives an advantage to college players as far as getting ready or the impression of NFL scouts being ready for the NFL and the NFL draft? Well, I, I think he knows what it takes to perform at the next level. He's been around it long enough. Uh, to say it's an advantage, look, look, I love Michigan, and I hope the school does great. And, and I think being there is a great opportunity in terms of the education you get and the experience you have. Uh, but to say that he makes you any more prepared for the NFL than another coach, I, I don't know that. I, I don't know how other coaches operate. So it would be difficult for me to say that. I know that people who go to Michigan generally have a great experience. So if somebody goes there, I'm sure they would enjoy it. Um, but to say that players at Michigan come out more ready for the NFL than Florida or Florida State or Miami or Georgia or Alabama or LSU or you pick the school, I really couldn't tell you. Jeff will just keep telling himself that. Don't worry. Well, I, I was just going to say, you were, you were part of the Michigan Daily, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. Didn't that prepare you, you better for, for uh, your career? <laughs> I, I Listen, I, I, I love the Daily. It's the first place I ever worked. It launched uh, any dreams I had of going into this profession, but... Again, I, I don't know that the experience there is better than the journalism school at Missouri or Columbia or Northwestern or Syracuse. Sure, I, I don't know. You sure you I, don't I, want I to think going to politics. I, I, I am a believer that it's about the person and what the person makes. Just like a person going to college, Michigan is a great school, and if you go there, I think it gives people a tremendous opportunity. But just because you go to Michigan doesn't mean you're going to step in and get a great job on Wall Street or become this ace lawyer or become this tremendous architect. Like you have to go make it happen whether you go to school at Michigan or Penn State or Rutgers or Temple or you pick the school. That's like, right. It's about shout, the person. Shout out for Rutgers there. I'll Whatever. tell you what, in my prior life, I worked in politics. If this sports thing doesn't work out for you, you could definitely handle those type of <laughs> questions. Let's close with, with these two questions for you. Predictions. How Michigan season going to be and how are the Eagles going to end up? What's their record going to be, you think? Well, Michigan lost a lot of talent, but I have a lot of faith that Jim – 
will have a lot of his own people in there and that Michigan will have a good season. They'll be relevant, which is what I think Michigan likes. I don't know if they'll win as much as last year, but I, I, I think they'll have an excellent season, as always, under Jim Harbaugh. And then the Eagles, I think, will be better than people expect. I don't know what that means, just that they'll be better than people expect. You pick the win total. How many how many games did the Eagles win last year? Uh, were they seven and nine last year? They finished eight and eight. Whatever whatever they were last year, they'll be better this year. They'll, they'll be better. I, I agree. I think they'll be the same. I think I predicted seven and nine, um, and I took a lot of heat for it from people <laughs> at the beginning of the season saying that I was Debbie Downer and not into the season. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing all the stories with us, and uh, we look forward to hopefully having you back in the future. And I uh, hope you enjoy the the start of the season. Yeah, thanks. Adam. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate. It. Have a good weekend and uh, enjoy the Eagles this year. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a great one. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Let me tell you, buying or selling a home is a life-changing decision. Whether you're looking for your first home or searching for your forever home, Ann Coons is the realtor you need. In fact, she helped my wife and I settle into our forever home. With over 30 years helping satisfied clients buy and sell homes in the Delaware Valley, Ann Coons will give you the professional and reliable service you deserve. When it's time to buy or sell a home in South Jersey or Philadelphia, contact Ann Coons, the only name you need to know in real estate. You can call Ann Coons today at 856-795-4709. Again, that's 856-795-4709. Or learn more on the web at www.annkoonsrealestate.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Sports. I'm Jeff Cohen with Jason Springer. If you want to join the conversation... Give us a call at 888-728-9941. Hey, Jason, I think we should call this segment Sportsmanship. So let's do a little talk about sportsmanship on the good side. On the good side first? Yep, and then let's get to the bad side. Mm, I wonder who's going to be on the bad side for you. Okay, let's do the good sportsmanship first. Sure. Last weekend was the British Open. Uh Uh-huh. That was some exciting golf. It was amazing golf. That last round was just crazy. Now, people were going crazy after the 22-minute delay on the 13th hole for Spieth when he couldn't find the ball. We talked about sportsmanship. When Spieth got up to the hole, he apologized to Kuchar for the amount of time it took, Yeah. Uh, the respectful nature between each other as they literally just battled it out going down the, the final to the 18. And, and Spieth just, my God. He... Well, let's, I mean, let's set the stage for a little bit. He hits the ball way off to the right. Down a hill, fans have to find the ball, which took a while, and then he's got to hit the ball over a hill, or he's got to take a drop and move it, which he ended up doing by moving it basically to the driving I, range. I should have gotten the Bill Rafferty drop for onions. I mean, it was <laughs> he was so calm yes. to, to watch him play those, those final holes under that pressure. Kuchar did not let up. 
did not give him a pass. Mm-hmm. Even on 18, he, he drained the birdie to, or on 17, he drained the birdie to get within one shot. Uh, yeah, Spieth had to, Spieth had to play it out to win it. Mm-hmm. That's what golf needs. Yeah, and, and not only that, not only was that good competition. Um, there was a lot of adversity that he had to overcome with that one particular hole. And the guy knows all the rules. I mean, he, he, they say he's one of the most knowledgeable people of, about golf in every way. And he's only just turning 24 years old. I mean, if you watch that one hole where the 22 minutes went by, his caddy was at the top of the hill. And he had to remind his caddy that the rule is you can't be there to be a marker for where you're supposed to hit the ball. Had he not removed his caddy from that spot, it would have been a two-stroke penalty. So, I mean, one thing that I have always liked about golf is is the sportsmanship of it. I hate when when people call in and try to get other get golfers in trouble, but in this particular setting, these two guys battled down to the end. It's not often that you got the guys in the last group battling. Usually, one of them will fall off, and then somebody from another group is is in that race. This way, you had it down to the wire because those two guys are the last two golfers on the course. And you really saw history if you're watching. He's the second player in open history to win wire-to-wire. Uh, it was only done in 1971. In the Masters era since 1934, only two players have won three majors before their 24th birthday. And he's got the he's third for the lowest cumulative score to par in the first three major wins behind just Roy McIlroy and Tiger Woods. So, I mean, that that's some pretty good company to be in. Now, can I offer my complaint for a second? About golf? Yes. Yeah. Does the guy that yells, it's in the hole, really need to be there? Or the Baba Booey guy there, or there any of those guys? There is nothing more annoying to me than that putz who has to make themselves heard by yelling after a golf shot. You are there to be a spectator. You are not there to be part of the I show. I didn't turn on the TV or go to the event to watch and hear your dumb commentary after somebody shanks a drive. <laughs> so get over it, okay? This event is not about you. Moving on. There, There is one golf event coming up, though, that Wh- is about the fans. The President's Cup. Yes. Yes, and I love that team sport. That in... and the Riders' Cup are it's a and that that's known. To they be they have Happy Gilmore style crowds. Yeah, we're going to the we're going to the final round of that, and, and cannot wait because it's just going to be it's so much fun to go to those. Things. And I I totally enjoy that. So um, I'm going to ask you, how's your man crush with Matt Kuchar doing? I know that you're a big fan. This must have been tough for you on the loss. It, well, no, because I was torn as we were watching the final round. I was torn between, especially when we got to the 13th hole, because I wanted Matt Kuchar to win because. He, at this point, he just deserved to win a major, and he's he was that close. But at the same time, I did not want Jordan Spieth to be turned into oh he's a major choker. The guy who collapsed yeah. and choked it away. Exactly. So it, I mean, if it would have if it would have been somebody that that I wasn't, you know, somebody that I didn't really like, it would be one thing. But you know, if if anybody had to win that wasn't Matt Kuchar, then Jordan Spieth was the guy because Jordan Spieth is the future of golf, at least American golf. He's got the personality for it. Some people say that he doesn't, but you know we had the the bat flip golf club. Yeah, out of the ago. sand trap. This time he hits a fifty foot putt and he he says to his caddy, "Go get it, go get it." <laughs> and then afterwards, what does he do? He drinks from the claret jug. Exactly. No, I enjoyed it. And and look, I mean, it gave your uh, it gave Matt Kuchar the chance to show his class. He told his sons after the tournament ends, sometimes it goes your way and sometimes it doesn't. 
And, and for so any, there's a lesson for you. Yes, and for anybody who's saying that shows he's got a loser's mentality, no, it doesn't. It, it, that guy wanted to win the worst way. I think it shows he's got perspective. Exactly. Uh, I I thought it was very good. Now let's let's move on to the lack of perspective. You're, and the lack of class. Your boy Lavar Ball. I hate even taking up time on the radio talking about him, but I, I can't help it. It's like. Uh, having to turn your head when you drive by something that you don't want to see, but you need to look at well, it. Well, you just read me something during a commercial. What I do? I started yelling at you. <laughs> I did. I really wish I would have read this on the air to you. So let's set the stage. Um, he wanted to boycott another game because of a female referee, wasn't happy with the calls that were being made, wanted to take his team off the court again. But, by the way, say again, because last weekend he walked his he team do? off he the court. He walked his team off the court. So this is what I read you during the break, and I'm going to ask for your honest reaction that I really wish I didn't ruin during the break. Um, apparently, Adidas pressured the referee at the summer championships to not call technical fouls against LeVar, according to a report, allegedly. The source said event officials put three officials on the game who will keep him in the building whenever LeVar Ball's Big Ballers brand team played this week. What kind of lesson does that send to you, Mr. Coach? First of all, uh, you know, take the kids out of the room right now because uh, I think I threw up a little bit in my mouth. Don't get us thrown uh, off the radio uh, with anything uh, you're uh, going to say. I can't tell you. Our how. producer is behind the glass worried about what's going to come out of your mouth next. So be gentle get, here. Get that button ready. Be gentle. <laughs> I think what if that's true, if it comes out that Adidas did what you just said they, they might have done, what allegedly. was reported, allegedly, I promise you I will never buy anything by Adidas again because – what what is being created here is a monster. Lavar Ball, as I've said before, is everything that is wrong with parents in sports. And, and let's be honest, it's not just Lavar Ball. There's a Lavar Ball in every town and neighborhood that I've had that believes that their child is the greatest thing ever, and anybody who gets in the way of their child needs to be moved out of the way because it's only about their child. It's, right. And so that's why we continue and to he talk does about ha- him. And he has c- kids that are great players. Congratulations for him. By the way, Lavar, you weren't one of them. So I thought he can beat Michael Jordan. No, come he, on. Well, he, he keeps saying stuff, and he wants us to make this about him. It's not about him. It's about his children, and he's got to stop this, and he's got to stop acting like the youngest person on the court. I don't think he cares he, what you say. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't care what I say, but what bothers me most is what happened again today was that he did get a technical foul that he apparently deserved after a ref was supposedly told, you can't call a technical on LeVar. But you can call him on any other coach? Call it, call it on the son. He can't call it on the dad. Right. So, so he calls it, and he tells the kids to pack their stuff. They start to pack their stuff. That was last stuff. week they did that. Oh, no, I thought oh, they did this, it again I think today. they did it again today. So he says she's got to go. He points to the female ref and says she's got to go. Adidas pulls her off and puts another ref on. This isn't and, the lesson and, that we're supposed and, to be teaching people? He, here's the kicker. So after they do all of this, what happens? He gets a second technical foul, and they said, you know what? Instead of there being any more problems, we're just stopping this game. <laughs> if this is true, this is one of the most most embarrassing things. I wish our you... listeners could see how angry you are right now. You're like red in the face. You're it... wearing a red shirt, and your face is matching it. <laughs> it's pretty good. It, it, it's just, there's nothing redeeming about him at all. From a coach or or parent perspective as far as sports, I can't tell you how he raises his kids. He might do a great job. What I can tell you is that kind of parent 
should never be allowed to coach, and quite frankly, they should be banned from going to their kids' games. What would your reaction be? I mean, you've got a son who plays sports. You've coached sports before. What would your reaction be if you had a kid on that team? I mean, that's what they're learning. I'd find them another team. They're learning that it's okay to threaten to walk off if somebody calls you for things you're supposed to do and that you can get away with stuff if you're big and can sell shoes. And, And I feel bad for every team that's got to play him every tournament that he's got to go to for, that they're, that other teams are at where he's at, and every referee. Because Adidas has now signaled to LeVar Ball, LeVar, we're going to make sure you can get away with things because you can supposedly draw people. Can you imagine being a coach or a parent or a kid or a ref? Well, I was wondering, you, did, you didn't get that treatment when you were coaching? They didn't say before the oh, game, yeah, I did, don't but... throw that guy Jeff out because he means so much <laughs> and could sell gazillions of dollars in shoes? But the, the first thing they teach you is is, is, is be nice to the refs. LeVar now knows that he has license to abuse the referees. Adidas gave him license to abuse the referees. Could I make a request that LeVar Ball not do anything in the coming weeks so that I don't have to get you all aggravated to talk <laughs> about him again? It, it does, though. I mean, I talk about it because, you know, I'm, I'm learning as a parent with a young child. I'm gonna have, They're going to be involved in some type of activities, and I'm going to come across parents like this. And my whole thing is I don't want to be that parent mm-hmm. who tries to live my dreams. Like, I was never tall enough to play sports. I was never good enough. I could play. Mm-hmm. Nothing professionally. So if my kid happens to be tall enough or good enough, I don't want to live my dreams through them. Right. I want them to be able to live their dreams. And so for me, LeVar Ball is not an isolated incident. LeVar Ball is an example and a symptom of the larger problem of my kid is great and the rest of them forget it. But but I don't want to lose sight that there are parents, a lot of good parents out there that do the right things for their, their kids. And there are just as many great coaches out there who do the right things for their kids. I was blessed to have assistant coaches that I worked with who who only had the kids' interest at heart. That's funny. I heard you were one of those bad coaches. <laughs> <laughs> but but when LeVar Ball only creates a toxic atmosphere. Jeff, we got about 30 seconds left. Any final comments not about LeVar Ball for this week? Uh, next week we'll probably be talking about Kyrie Irving and a bunch of stuff we can't even think of. He'll still be demanding a trade. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week on The Heart of Sports. We hope you'll join us next Friday night, and we will help you start off your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.